0: Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma. And we're back to using uh, actual broadcast software. So we have some neat potential. You could see if you're watching on YouTube that we have a new intro again. The old intro is back. And we're all on camera now. So... (laughs) Everyone be very mindful. But just to say, don't do anything differently. Let me know if you don't want to be on camera. So today is... um, before I get started, today is the the beginning of the rains season in India In Canada it's been raining all summer, so nothing changes there But we keep to the tradition because, of course, it became much more than anything to do with just rain The What we call the rains has become the three months... Uh, Retreat, or activity that, or that the monks stay put in one location and focus on self-cultivation and and sharing the dhamma as well, because people know where to find them. And they stay put. Not a lot's going to change around here, of course, except I may not go places as often as I otherwise would. But it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important point to mark in the Buddhist calendar. Yesterday was the day, I didn't mention it probably, um, it, it was the day where the Buddha taught the first discourse. So yesterday was the beginning, that marks the anniversary of the beginning of Buddhism Where the Buddha taught the Dhamma Sutta And today would have been the day where he began to teach the five ascetics Until they all became Sotapanna, at which point he taught the anatalakana Sutta So Today is a good day to begin talking about mindfulness Today we're talking about right mindfulness And I was asked, this is something I was asked to talk about Not right mindfulness, but wrong mindfulness Which is basically to say to talk about the same things Um, At a recent conference, many of you might have seen me give that talk of course it's it's a interesting talk. It's perhaps the most interesting out of all of these because mindfulness is the most interesting to us it's uh we make this claim that mindfulness is like the key it's where you begin on the pra- on the path you know, the Buddha often said as much he said, you know practice the four foundations of mindfulness if you want a quick way to to uh get to the core of the Buddha's teaching, start by purifying your your morality and and cultivating right view, and once you have those, practice the four foundations of mindfulness. I mean, the core is really the four foundations of mindfulness. But that quote does say something, that, hey, wait, you can't just start by practicing mindfulness. When we talk about right mindfulness, it, it, it requires some support. Because the thing is, mindfulness can never be wrong. Mindfulness is a good thing. It's always good. The Buddha said, Satincha quahang vadami. I tell you, monks, sati is always useful. He said that when one is never without mindfulness, this is the path of apamada. Apamada being uh, sort of the, the, the Buddha's last words, he said, Appamadina sampadita That means uh, heedfulness or diligence, alertness, awareness, sobriety, sort of not being intoxicated by samsara, being clear-minded. So the question of, of what it means to have wrong mindfulness is an interesting question I mean, when we talk about right mindfulness well doesn't that just mean mindfulness and in a way yes it does but there are issues that we have to understand and so at the talk recently I, I, I mentioned four of them four ways that mindfulness can potentially be considered wrong but first we talk about what is right mindfulness and so the topic of tonight's talk is Right mindfulness, let's explain what we mean by mindfulness in the first place And luckily our predecessors have put together a compilation Of all the many different types of Dhammas And how they can be defined So they've got really good concise definitions or ways of understanding all of these Dhammas in fact, they go beyond the definition. I mean, the interesting thing about the def- a definition is it's still just words, right? If I ask you to define mindfulness, it's not an easy thing to do. We shouldn't be too caught up, uh, and and the, the texts are not satisfied with definitions. When we talk about what does this dhamma mean, what does that dhamma mean, they actually give us four aspects of each dhamma. And the aspects are the characteristic or lakana the uh, function or rasa uh, the manifestation means how it how it appears and the proximate cause so the uh the, uh, appear, the manifestation is the pachupartana, and the proximate cause is the padatana. Those are the polynam. So you, you, given these three aspects, you can understand the Dhamma. What is it like? What is it? So the characteristic of mindfulness is to not waver. Characteristic of sati, remember. right? When we use the word mindfulness... We're just using a makeshift English translation, so we shouldn't get caught up. When we say mindfulness, we automatically think of certain uh, a certain definition or certain qualities. It's not exactly what it means. This word sati, sati is a is a aspect a quality of mind that doesn't waver. It's a quality of mind that is that grasps the object. Uh, it has a function of not forgetting so our ordinary state of mind is forgetful we we experience something uh, but then we lose track of it we get caught we get lost in our reactions to it sati is also used in a in a mundane sense so it means to remember things that happened a long time ago this helps us understand what we mean by sati because when we talk about it in the present Context: We're not. We don't mean anything to do with that kind of memory. But what it means is to remember now. And so we so often forget ourselves. The characteristic of mindfulness, whether it's based on the past or the future or the present or whatever, uh, its function, its purpose, is to keep you f- remembering. And that's what sati means. Sati comes from the root sar. Which means to remember or to recollect It's the same as the word sarana you know, When we talk about the refuge We translate sarana as refuge But it can also mean recollection So when we take the Buddha as our recollection We don't do anything without thinking about the Buddha That means we take the Buddha as our sarana Would the Buddha approve of this? Was this in line with the Dhamma? Is this something the Sangha would do? This is how we take Refuge or sarana Buddhang sarana gacchami That's what sati actually means It means to not forget, to remember these things So when we talk about our practice It means to remember the present moment It means to remember what's actually happening now This is why we remind ourselves, right? When you say to yourself, pain, pain You're, you're cultivating this ability to not forget Hey, wait, it's just pain No, no, it's not bad, it's not me, it's not a problem Don't forget If you forget then you get caught up in what you think of it You like it, you don't like it and so on The manifestation is guarding So this is the point, is when you remember the experience you don't allow for the judgments to, to enter into the mind it's, And allowing judgments is considered forgetting you've, you've lost reality As soon as you say this is good, this is bad, this is me, this is mine, anything You no longer have anything to do with reality You're, you're lost in, in imagination It's not real Liking something right? This is good, this is bad the liking is real, no, the the actual fact of liking is real. But something being likable or good or a problem, so on. This is all based on our own imagination. It's nothing to do with the actual experience. So, our mind, our our mindfulness guards our mind from this. That's it's how it appears. When you're practicing, then you're guarded. Your mind is guarded. Or it appears as confronting the objective field, which um, I've talked about before. It means not wavering, not running away from it, and not grasping onto it. Our ability to confront, our meditation and our our, our progress is dependent upon our ability to confront our experiences objectively without reacting to them without liking or disliking and, and so on right and and that how do we how do we not react we we not we don't react by by confronting by learning to stand our ground with experiences bad experiences don't let them upset you good experiences also stand stay with them without judging without clinging without craving for them this is how mindfulness manifests itself. It appears in this way, it appears to be confronting the object. The proximate cause of mindfulness is something called tirasanya. And this I would argue is very much a description of, of using a mantra to, to to focus the your attention and to, to cultivate mindfulness. So the cause. Sanya is when you have a perception of something You perceive, you know, you're seeing And there's a perception that I'm seeing something There's hearing and a perception Oh, now I'm hearing something uh, When you hear a cat, for example Or when you think of a cat There's a perception, oh, that's a cat This is Sanya Sanya is all these kinds of perceptions Tira is, is, is when you... Sh- is Tira means strong So Tira is, is when there is the perception And then there's the act the activity, and this is important because mindfulness isn't something that just comes to you it's something you work at, as our meditators are aware Something that's hard work But when you work at it, it, it fixes that perception So seeing is just seeing So when you say to yourself, seeing, seeing you're, you're affirming that perception And this isn't a modern thing, this is something that they did in ancient times This is how they did meditation by reminding themselves If you understand, if you read this and, and, and go through this It's quite easy to understand why we meditate the way we do And how authentic is this sort of practice and This is very much what the texts were describing It's not anything that's radical or, or new in any way or its proximate causes the practice of the Four Foundations of Mindfulness and that's just a way of saying, you know, practically speaking how do you cultivate mindfulness? Practice the Four Foundations of Mindfulness So that's what it means to be mindful, that's right mindfulness a right sati So the question of how it can be possibly wrong I mean this is the core of our practice, when you're practicing in this way you should progress, right? So how it can go wrong is in four ways, first of all you might, you, you, you don't practice So maybe you never come to practice meditation or maybe you come to the meditation center and don't actually practice you know, When that happens well you're not likely to succeed, you're not going to get far in the practice so the first type of wrong mindfulness just means unmindfulness, and this is clear. As with all of the eight path factors, you know, if, if you don't have right mindfulness, it's wrong. You're not on the path. You need all of these. You need to actually have the factor. So clearly, that's wrong. Uh, the second one is is misdirected mindfulness, and I want to be clear, I've talked about this and get questions about it I want to be clear, when I talk about wrong in this sense we simply mean um, wrong in the sense of not leading to the goal that we're looking for Misdirected mindfulness isn't wrong, I mean, it isn't unwholesome It's just not going to lead you to Nibbana is the point There are ways of being mindful that don't lead directly You practice them exclusively And they themselves are not enough to lead you to enlightenment So the first is mindfulness of the past If you're mindful of, of things that happened a long time ago That's considered mindfulness You have this ability to remember things or recollect things Your mind is fixed on things that happened in the past And the same with the future Maybe you're mindful of something that you have to do, something, remembering the things that you have to do tomorrow, or, or even making life plans, this kind of thing. None of that's going to lead you to enlightenment, and this should be clear. We're, we're all quite clear that for mindfulness to work, it has to be about what's happening now, because mindfulness is designed to help you understand reality. It's designed to help you understand The nature of experience And the only experiences we're having are here and now Mindfulness of the past and the future Have nothing to do with actual experience They're they're memories that we have Or conceptions And the third is concepts Putting aside the past and the future If we focus our mind on concepts like beings It's possible to be mindful of Of um, Mindful of, of, of beings like Thinking of people Like with with, mindf- uh, with loving kindness meditation Well there's a mindfulness there Or maybe you're mindful of uh, a, a color or a light Or something and you say blue, blue, blue Or white, white, white These are types of meditation And they involve mindfulness They involve sati Because your mind is not wavering, right? Your mind is clearly aware but aware of a concept Aware of the idea of white Or the idea of earth Or a candle flame If you focus on that There's mindfulness there But because the idea of a candle flame Because you stop using the actual reality And you end up just seeing it in your mind A flame And your mind is fixed and focused on the flame When I mean, that flame in your mind The, the, the concept of fire is not impermanent, not unsatisfying, not uncontrollable It's the kind of thing that is stable, satisfying and controllable Or it seems to be It doesn't change You're able to adjust it, and you're able to expand it What we're talking about here is Samatha meditation When you focus on a concept You enter into this realm that is peaceful, fixed, calm And quite amenable to your will And and it leads to all sorts of Exceptional states of mind That are are wholesome and positive But that won't lead you to enlightenment Because they're not real They're they're arising in your mind They they can't show you Impermanent suffering, non-self They can't show you the Four Noble Truths The third way mindfulness can be wrong is uh, when it's lapsed. And lapsed mindfulness really sounds a lot like unmindfulness because it is, in a sense, unmindfulness, but it's special in the sense that it comes about because one is practicing correctly. So because one practices mindfulness, positive states and negative states will, will come up from the mind. Um, Take for example a negative state Through practicing one might Experience um, Past trauma Coming up That's a good thing, I mean it's good that it comes up But it can distract you Because it's a powerful state Um, Maybe past emotions That you've kept repressed Maybe you get really angry because of the practice Or afraid Or anxious Or depressed All these bad habits that we keep inside come up, and they can be quite overwhelming. Uh, so it's easy to become unmindful when they arise. The same with good states. Many good states will arise. A meditator will feel peaceful, calm, happy. Uh, meditators, some meditators will see things, lights, colors, pictures. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, they're in fact considered to be good things But very easily one becomes unmindful when they arise, getting caught up in them Maybe one, jnana is one, one begins to understand things about oneself Or even gain exceptional knowledges of past lives or reading people's minds or seeing things far away Very easy to get distracted by that sort of thing Some people have out-of-body experiences and then they're just totally gone no mindfulness after that cuz they get caught up in the state so many different good states and bad states and none of these states are a problem you know it's not bad that they come up seeing lights or colors or pictures isn't isn't a problem the problem is they're they're enticing they lead us to think hey maybe this is the path they lead us to get distracted and the same goes with negative states we fix and focus on them rather than being mindful. The fourth way that mindfulness can be wrong is probably the way the Buddha meant when he talked about something called micchā sati, which means wrong mindfulness. He probably meant it in terms of the eightfold noble path, the other seven path factors. So if if you're mindful, and and so this this can be defined or described as um, impotent mindfulness you're mindful but it's ineffective why is it ineffective? because you have wrong view and until you give up that wrong view it's going to prevent your mindfulness from uh, from doing its job from bearing fruit if you have wrong thoughts if you have bad ambitions wanting to hurt people or harm people not easy to your mindfulness just won't be effectual. You can try to be mindful and it's just going to be like banging your head against a wall because it's not accompanied by the factors that are required to progress. If you have wrong speech, wrong action, wrong livelihood, all of these will get in the way of being mi- of your mindfulness bearing fruit. So you can sit down and try to be mindful, but you'll find it very difficult if you're engaged, if, if all, any of these other factors are missing. Uh, wrong effort and wrong concentration, if you have any of these, mindfulness is not able to do its work. Which is why, would say, take my right effort and right concentration, This is why you really need to sit down and do meditation Do walking and sitting and engage in formal practice Because just saying to yourself Oh, I'm just going to be mindful in daily life Mm. Very hard to cultivate the, the associated states that are necessary So, right, mindfulness It's a little more involved than simply saying I'm going to be mindful in fact it's a little more than mindfulness, the word mindfulness itself you know, That's not really the best translation And I hope uh, by, by providing you know, those four aspects of sati You get a better sense of what we mean by mindfulness it's, this, it's, a, it's an active state that requires work Right, Mindfulness is really where we focus our attention as far as our work goes and try and cultivate actual um, recognition and remembrance and this fixed grasping of the object as it is, not allowing the mind to fall into judgment or reaction that's what we mean by sati so there you go that's right mindfulness tomorrow right concentration and then we're done. We'll move on to something else. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll look and see if there are questions now. Does a fully enlightened being ever find meditation difficult? It depends what you mean by meditation. Um, If you mean doing walking and sitting, then of course, yes, that can be difficult for someone who's sick. But uh, an enlightened being will not find it difficult to be mindful. Um, I think it's just depends exactly what you mean by meditation. And it depends what you mean by difficult, I suppose. Can meditation heal the physical body? Are there s- ways to specially aid healing certain body parts? Potentially. I mean, med- the word meditation means many different things to different people. Uh, are there types of meditation? Oh, probably. I don't teach them. The problem with that is, of course, you get attached to bodily health and you know, we're not about that because when you get attached to bodily health and you get more upset when you get sick for example How important is noting while meditating Versus just trying to empty the mind Well trying to empty the mind Is something quite different We're not trying to empty the mind Trying to empty the mind is like Trying to empty the ocean of water Doesn't really happen The mind's function is to think I don't know what it would mean to empty the mind At certain times The mind will be I guess quiet and there you might say you've emptied the mind but you haven't emptied it it's just at that moment it's empty but that, that moment is also formed it's uh, impermanent it's not going to last forever so being noting is something quite different we're not trying to empty it we're just trying to be objective how important is that? that's I would say essential Unpleasant mental states are a result of the karma done at the present moment, and the results. Unpleasant mental states are a result of the karma done at the present moment. I don't know, that's too complicated a question I'm not really I mean it sounds like you're kind of on the right track But I'm not sure what the point of the question is I've had an emotionally crushing experience with a woman in the past I turn to meditation because I don't want to suffer like that ever again As I meditate I try on purpose to remember certain moments with her just to try and understand the feeling of aversion, but it's really tough. Would you recommend me doing this? Do you think it's better if I ignore thoughts? You shouldn't do either. You shouldn't ignore or try to bring them up, you see. You see how there's, we have this question and it, it it gives us this dichotomy, which is not, not a, it's a false dichotomy, false whatever, not dichotomy, but it's, yeah, false dichotomy, I guess. There's a third way. You know, the thoughts will come up, and if they don't, then no problem, right? We're trying to learn about ourselves naturally. Who are you now? Nothing to do with the past or so on. If you don't want to suffer like that ever again, well, that's interesting. Look at that. Look at the fear or the aversion or the anger or or so on. Don't try on purpose to remember certain moments because that's not natural. That's cultivating a certain habit of... Focusing on past thoughts It's not na- its not Observing your mind naturally It's quite different So it's not something you should try to do either And ignoring is also wrong as well If the thoughts come up Well that's natural Be mindful of them The, be- the best way to be better prepared in the future Is to be mindful now To learn how to be mindful Because in the future if that happens You won't be as Disturbed by it The more mindful you can be Do Buddhists say bless you after someone sneezes? Yeah, sure Buddhists talk a lot about blessings It's just not God bless you Do arahants have liking or disliking? No, arahants do not have liking or disliking How important is the Sangha to a practicing lay Buddhist? told me that Jnana Viratera, he committed suicide. I didn't know that not only because of his illness but because he too was he was too withdrawn and the Sangha neglected or ignored. I didn't hear that story no um. It's, it's two different questions. You're asking about Nyanavira, and you're asking about the sangha to a practicing lay Buddhist. He was obviously a monk, and he had. I mean, he was quite controversial. I still don't quite get the controversy because I haven't studied his teachings. But I understood he was. He was. He fell into the camp of believing that um, dependent origination only talked about this one life, which goes against the commentary, So that's fairly controversial. Dependent origination is such a, an, a sort of an esoteric controversy, but in Buddhist circles they do debate this hotly. There were some famous monks who were very much against the commentary's interpretation, which is. Anyway, I've talked about that before. Um, but uh, how important the Sangha is? Well, it's important you understand what is meant by the Sangha. I'd refine that and say it's important to have a teacher. You, know, you can go without a teacher but it's one thing that's really really useful and beneficial and you know if you talk about what do you need to get through a forest to go through the wilderness well there are certain things that you need um, uh, the best thing to bring in through the, for- through the wilderness is a guide someone who can guide you through it a map is useful but doesn't replace someone who's been through the forest many times and Knows the ways and the dangers and so on, right? So uh, that's what, when we talk about the sangha. That's really the most important. And I'm not talking. You know, as a teacher, it sounds like that, that might be some sort of, "Hey, you know, come learn with me." You know, it's neat, It's important you be with me or something. But that's what the texts say. They're not so, um, not so pro community. They're 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 all about you know find someone who can guide you, a good friend. You talk, when they talk about a teacher, they didn't really use the word teacher all that much. Uh, they use the word good friend, someone who gives you the meditation practice. Um. So, but as far as having a community, it's. It's hit and miss, you know i mean there's there's good aspects, of course, it's useful to live in a monastic or a meditative community. That's why people ordain as monks. Is it beneficial, yeah, generally speaking, but it can be a hindrance. I mean, there are issues surrounding getting involved with other people as well you know if If the other people are having struggling in their meditation, they might just drag you down. The best sort of meditative community is where the people don't even interact. They have a teacher who leads them. You know, ideally, they would have the Buddha to lead them, and then they all just support each other by being a good example for each other. I mean, a Sangha is great when everyone's doing the same thing and, and practicing in harmony. Um, and it's not so much the interaction as it is the, the uh, examples that we set and the, the harmony. That, that that has a power to it You see everyone else meditating Well, you, you want to meditate How do you find peace in a stressful situation? Well, well there's no such thing as a stressful situation You learn that You learn that ex- situations can't be stressful Stress is a reaction to experience That's what mindfulness means So If you haven't read my booklet on how to meditate, that might be a good place to start Help you to overcome stress I'm 17, do you think I'm at an age where I could potentially dedicate my life to living the Buddhist way of life? Well, I don't know, it doesn't have to be all or or nothing, right? uh, I know when I was 17 I would think like that Yeah, I've got to jump into it, but you don't really Try. Try practicing Buddhism. Read my booklet or a bo- or any book on meditation and begin to practice. But don't jump into it like thinking you have to become a monk or a nun. Uh, try it. And you'll find that it's much more gradual, that eventually you get more interested in, and over time you devote yourself more, I mean it's not being, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to dissuade you at, because you're 17, I'm just um, I, if you put left off that aspect of your question I would answer the same way um, if, you're, if you're new to Buddhism don't worry about dedicating your life to it on the other hand I suppose you might be asking you might be saying hey I'm a Buddhist who's gotten really into it but now I'm wondering Am I too young to go the next step? Maybe that's what you're asking um, And the answer is certainly no Yes, there are issues Someone who's 17 may potentially Or many 17-year-olds are too immature To dedicate themselves properly But certainly not the case with all We have cases of 7-year-olds Who... The Buddha put the limit at 7 years old If you're younger than 7 No Not Not really not really likely you're going to be able to dedicate your life. So, 17 is fine. It, it depends on the individual. I mean, there are 70-year-olds who wouldn't be very good at dedicating their lives to Buddhism. What do you think of suicide? Does it result in bad karma? I think so. I mean, I th- I, 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 result in bad karma, you have to rephrase that. It is bad karma, we would say. The intention to kill yourself is probably pretty bad um, I, mean, I don't know, I'm not a Buddha to say But again, it's not, the action is not the problem It's their state of mind Why are you killing yourself? Probably there's some negative states involved With the desire to kill Why would you kill yourself if you had no negative states in your mind? So those negative states that are karma That's what we mean by karma in Buddhism You have those negative mind states Them arising is bad karma And they will lead to to do bad things And to cause suffering and so on They will hurt you They're bad habits to develop What do you think of Jesus? I don't think of Jesus that often I meditate about two hours a day Sorry, the, the point being that Jesus' question is it's nothing to do with our practice And we're trying to keep our questions focused on our practice Otherwise there's too many questions I get a lot of these what do you think of X questions And taken, made a decision not to answer them I meditate about two hours a day, uh, two plus hours a day I got to be fair at staying with my breath mm. Unable to stay within my breath at all, even after a year. Yet the practice is often good stretching. And periods. Break through, or should I be looking to correct a practice? My aspiration, like yours, no doubt, is full operation. Um, well, it sounds like you're practicing a different technique. It's not really what we... I don't know if it sounds like you, you're not really practicing what I teach. Um, so if you're not practicing based on my booklet, there's not much I can do to. To uh, I can't really comment on it. I'd recommend if you haven't to read my booklet. I mean, maybe you have and maybe you are, but if so, then it would be you know, well, good if you've if you've got some states of uh, clarity of mind, that's good but keep going you know, check and see if you still have be mindful and, and, and you'll see if you still have defilements left do you suggest pass an anapanasati for improving concentration? Well, I don't teach improving concentration per se I teach mindfulness You know, there's Obviously the best concentration comes from mindfulness, but we focus more on mindfulness. So I can't really comment on that exactly, except to say that uh, what we focus on is sati. And by cultivating sati, then states like concentration or focus, they, they come as a result of the practice. Is someone enlightened constantly noting? Does correct mindfulness mean constantly noting the present moment? No, the noting is the cause of mindfulness. It's a, it's a technique to cultivate mindfulness. An enlightened person is, is always mindful. So the corollary would be, no, they don't need to note. They're, they're just mindful. So the, the, the noting is our practice. It's this tira sanya where you... Strengthen your perception And that's what cultivates mindfulness Where do I find the meditation booklet? Well there's a link right above where you ask these questions Right above the list of questions you say Make sure you've read the booklet How to Meditate Now hopefully that link still works Yes it does So there you go And that's all the questions for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in.